Today I bring to a close this long series of sermons on the Gospel of John. We have been down in the weeds for the past three and a half months, taking a look at this Gospel. This Gospel, uh, and, and I have to say thank you to, uh, to, to Reverend uh, Ann Schaefer for preaching last week uh, on a moment's notice. Uh, I was sick. Some people thought I was just home uh, working harder on this sermon. Um, <laughs> Uh, but the truth of the matter is I've been working on this sermon since 1978 uh, because the Gospel of John was the first exegesis class I took in seminary. Uh, that's a, a class where you learn not what you want the Bible to say, but what it was saying in its original context and what we think it is saying today. Uh, the teacher, I remember, used two different major textbooks written by two different authors who disagreed with each other about much of what John was saying. Well, over the course of the class, I thought it would become clear which one was right. And at the end of the class, I came to understand she was never going to tell us. It was up to us to recognize that we had been given the tools to do in-depth Bible study, and now it was our turn to work out our salvation with fear and trembling and say what we thought the Gospel of John meant. This did not get me off on the right foot with the Gospel of John. As I've said before, John and I were not friends for a long time. But with 40 years of relationship therapy, he and I have forged a deep friendship. And so I'd just share with you today some of the discoveries that have reoriented my picture of John, my relationship with John over the years. I was immensely helped by the poet Billy Collins, if you know the poet Billy Collins. He wrote a poem once about what it is like to teach an introductory class on poetry to college students. He starts his poem, which is called Introduction to Poetry. He says, I ask them to take a poem and hold it up to the light like a color slide, or put their ear against a poem like a hive. I say, drop a mouse into a poem and watch him probe his way out, or walk inside of a poem's room and feel the walls for a light switch. I want them to water ski across the surface of a poem, waving at the author's name on shore. But all they want to do is tie a poem to a chair with a rope and torture a confession out of it. They begin by beating it with a hose to find out what it really means. Billy Collins, an introduction to poetry. I quote that because that is so much what I was like as a hard-headed student trying to understand the Gospel of John. It took me a long time to figure out the Gospel of John starts with a poem. And it took me a long time to begin to water ski on the surface of that poem and wave to John on shore. This poem, like all poems, has double meanings in its words. Look again at that intro to the Gospel of John, where it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. The Word is a verb, and the verb has camped out with us. All these double meanings. 
Same words, but it has a different way of revealing itself to us. The Gospel of John is playful. It's playful and dynamic in all these levels of, ir of irony and, and different meanings. It took a long time for me, but finally I could look again at the first miracle of Jesus, where Jesus turns the water into wine. And whereas before I thought it was all about Jesus preparing us for communion, I did a little probing and did the math and found out that that when Jesus turns the water into wine, he didn't turn one gallon of water into wine. He made 180 gallons of wine. And it was not Boone's Farm either. It was the good stuff. And I began to see, oh, this is a Savior who wants to save us from life being like going to a really boring party. He brings the life, the celebration, the joy, the community that happens when people celebrate life together. And I've never, never forgotten my own pastor's words, my pastor who didn't drink very much, when he said, when Jesus is present, when Jesus is present, even water tastes like wine. Oh, oh. There's these levels of meaning in the Gospel of John as it begins to reveal itself to us. Another turning point for me is that passage uh, where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You see, I had always stopped short on that passage. I was one of those guys that you could characterize by those bumper stickers that read, the Bible says it, I believe it, that ends it. When I saw Jesus is the way, that's what I meant. That's where I stopped. But slowly I began, began to see the flaws in my initial interpretation. See, when my son was in first grade, first grade, that wonderful time when he was just learning to read, and his teacher was teaching these important things he was so ex excited about, like healthy nutrition, well, he and I went on a weekend trip. We went from Chicago, our home, to that far-off exotic land called Michigan. We rented a little cabin, a rustic cabin by Lake Saugatuck. Uh, being a gourmet cook, I brought along a bunch of cans of food. When it was dinner time, I told him to pick out whatever he'd like to eat, and I would fix it. He went over to the grocery bag, and he picked out one can, and he read the label, and he groaned in frustration and put it back. Then he picked out another can and read the label and groaned and put it back. This went on time after time for quite a while, and finally I said, what's wrong? And he said, we can't eat this stuff. Look at the ingredients list. Every one of them says, total fat. The can said it, he believed it, that was the end of it. That's kind of how I read the Bible. And I had to learn through philosophers like Habermas that when it comes to the Bible, always read the rest of the story. Jesus does not just say, I am the way. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Read it in its whole context, and you began to see a whole different meaning for those words. The way is not about one way. The way is a journey. 
The, 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 the life is, is not just uh, something e eternal after death. It's about life now. It's about that celebration. The truth is about the discoveries, the fresh discoveries, the surprises that God gives to us along the way. The way, the truth, and the life, the light, the journey. And when Jesus says, no one comes to the Father except through me, a lot of people hear, no one comes to God except through me, which makes Jesus very exclusive. But that's not what Jesus says. Read the text again. No one comes to the Father except through me. Oh, you begin to see that, that Jesus is not trying to exclude people. He's talking about how to relate to God through this loving relationship, coming to see and experience God in this new way. Newscaster Don Lemon has been himself uh, an object of the news lately. He said some dumb things and got kicked off of his, uh, his role in the morning TV shows. But at the height of his career a few years ago, he was broadcast in over 120 different countries. And I had uh, the honor and the opportunity to interview him. Uh, he was our guest lecturer at our church, House of Hope in St. Paul, Minnesota. When I met him, he was a warm, thoughtful, highly intelligent man. After he gave a lecture, he and I sat in the chancel on a couple of chairs, and, and uh, my task was to, to interview him. I had a long list of questions trying to, to open up and discover something of who he was. I don't know that my questions were really very good. But then at the end, I asked him, Don, who is your hero? You know, as a news reporter, I just assumed he would say Walter Cronkite or or maybe Max Robinson, or, or maybe somebody long ago like Lowell Thomas and the stars. That's what I expected. But when I said, Don, who is your hero? His eyes filled with tears. And he said, my mother. And then he went on to share how he grew up in dire poverty and black and gay in a culture that was prejudiced against all of those things. And he had seen all the ways that his mother had sacrificed to make his life better. And that no matter what happened to him, he always knew that she loved him, no matter what. So happy Mother's Day. <laughs> I hope that story made you think of your mother. Um, and the sacrifices she made for you. Because if you're thinking about that and feeling that, now you're ready to hear what Jesus is saying when he says, no one comes to the Father except through me. No one comes to this loving relationship. Sometimes he says Father, sometimes Jesus says Mother in relationship to God. Like a loving parent, this, this God always loves us, always supports us, and gives us grace upon grace upon grace. When Jesus talks about God, he doesn't put it in terms of abstract philosophy or theology or doctrine. He puts it in terms of a loving parent, that we are loved no matter what. 
So Jesus says no one comes to God, no one comes to understand who God is unless they understand this loving relationship that God gives. That's what he's talking about there. Jesus knows this way is unique because nobody else is talking that way. Stories of, abs of, of sacrificial love to turn up again and again in this gospel. And when Jesus is leaving his disciples, he says, I go to prepare a place for you in my father's house or many mansions. You hear that in a lot of, lot of funerals, and I find great comfort in those words. I go to prepare a place for you in my father's house or many mansions. But those same, same terms also have double meanings. And in the Gospel of John, they also can be translated loosely. In my father's house, there are many mountain huts, and I go pre to prepare a camping place for you, which I find just delightful because I don't know that I want to go to heaven and live in a room cut off from other people and, and just do the same thing over and over again. But if it's a mountain hut I'm going to and, and I'm going to be camping with Jesus and all these other people, we're not going to spend our, our time walled off in the tent. We're going to be out being with each other and going on a journey. Imagine heaven as a journey that continues to amaze us and surprise us in this discoveries that God gives to us. The Gospel of John is this dynamic gospel. We keep cutting it down and closing it off, but, but Jesus comes along because, you see, what had happened in the ancient church was Matthew, Mark, and Luke were establishing the credibility of the church along with Paul. So when they talk about God, when they talk about Jesus, when they talk about the church itself, it's always in terms of, of something solid. Um, Jesus is the cornerstone. The church is the rock. Peter is the rock. Um, all of these static images. But what happened over time was the church got stuck. The church got stuck. And, and it couldn't respond to a changing place that the world was becoming. So along comes the Gospel of John, and John is there with all these tensive images, all these dynamic images, all these moving multidimensional images that help the church move again. Theologian John Burkhart uh, once described it like this. He said, um, imagine, <clears throat> imagine that you're walking along a river and you hear someone crying for help. They're, they're in the river, they're drowning. So you dive in to save them. You pull them out of the drink, but then somebody else is crying out while well, there's a crowd that's gathered. Somebody else goes in with you to save them. And, and, and uh, then, then having done that that day, you discover this happens a great many days. And, and so this group gathers together and, and they buy a boat. They buy a boat so that they can rescue even more people. Uh, and then over time, having rescued more and more people, they build a, a boathouse to help protect the boat from, from bad weather. And, um, and, and then to protect the boat even more, they put windows and doors on the place and they insulate it so they can use it in the winter. And they really have a great time with all these loving people inside of the boathouse. And they're having such a wonderful time. But, but the problem is that they have walled themselves off and insulated themselves from they can no longer hear the cries of those people drowning outside anymore and then the river changes course and now the boathouse and the boat 
and all these lifeguards are miles from where the action is. Burkhardt says that's the situation of the church. So you need the Gospel of John to come in and to stop us from our static thinking that keeps us immobile, that keeps us from moving, that keeps us from doing anything different. So that, so that when we hear Jesus is the way and the truth and the life and the light and the swinging door and the moving shepherd and the growing vine and all these different dynamic images, we can see ourselves in these metaphors. We can live in these metaphors and see ourselves as people who need to grow, people who need to bear fruit, people who need to move. That's what the Gospel of John is about. And it's there not giving us per se any, any ethical messages like the other Gospels to tell us what to do or exactly how to live, but rather the Gospel of John is to help us form a worldview to see ourselves in the dynamic movement of the presence of God, this living Lord who's going to show up and surprise us in different places. If the world, the world could not hold all the stories about him because he's present in the church and he's still moving, he's still dynamic, he's still alive, he's still showing up and surprising us. So the Gospel of John is like that. It's written in a language like, uh, as Bruce Molina from Creighton University said, it's written in language like, a, uh, like, like prisoners uh, in front of a guard. It's, it's kind of a veiled language because the world doesn't understand what we're doing and what we're about. So we have this special language that, that we know because it reveals something, something of what God is like each of these metaphors time after time after time in the gospel. So we live in this world, and that's what John calls us to do, to live in this dynamic world of what Jesus leads us into. So that we might live something in that world, I share with you uh, a little rap that I have been working on uh, for a long time. Uh, it, it's, it's there to, inspired by language from the Gospel of John to help us think and see ourselves into that new dynamic Lord leading us into life. So I share with you my poem, Rap Master John and the Gospel of Light. Word. In the beginning, the Word. The Word's a verb. The Word with God. The Word is God. It moves like light, and the light is life. See it to believe it? Believe it to see it. Grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. Permanently moving. Eternally new. Do you hear? The stillness, still, still, still. Do you hear the stillness of the tomb? The rock, still, rolling. The door, still, opening. The light, still, lightning. The water, still, 
flowing, the bread still feeding, the vine still growing, the wine still flowing, the blind still seeing, the cross still hanging, the dead still rising, the love still giving, the voice still calling, the friends still following, the way still moving, the truth still revealing, the life start living. You see, when it's over, it's still just the beginning word. Drop the mic. <laughs>